turn your passion into your profession with a master's degree in sports product management from the University of Oregon. As part of this program, you will learn the business of creating sports and outdoor apparel, footwear, and equipment. You'll build product in our on-site innovation lab in Portland, Oregon, or in your own home. You'll network with leaders in the sports and outdoor industry through program mentors, guest speakers, and internship opportunities with Adidas, Nike, Columbia Sportswear, Under Armour, Keen, Hydroflask, and more. And you'll gain high demand knowledge of the entire product creation lifecycle to advance your career in the sports and outdoor product industry. Now available as an immersive 18-month on-site program in Portland, Oregon, and as an innovative 21-month online program. Visit business.uoregon.edu slash SPM for more information. One more time on that site. It is business.uoregon.edu slash SPM. Right now, people are drowning in data, and yet they're starving for actionable intelligence with teams. They had... At that particular time, one of the best players in MLS. And as we broke down the model, it it kept saying that he wasn't a good fit for that team and system. A general manager was saying, come on, I mean, make him fit. He's the best player. They finally traded him, picked up two other players that fit the team, and they won the MLS Cup that year. They were the lowest salary cap team. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. I don't want to get over-dramatized, but I've always rebuffed the idea that life was predictable, patterned, or even quantifiable. I've always personally wanted to believe that life itself is a series of random events that you control by your action in the moment. Nothing was preordained, Nothing was planned. Spoiler alert, I still feel that way. But you may be wondering why I'm going down this meaning of life path at all. Well, it's the yin and yang of analytics for me. I am fascinated by the art form of taking available data and being able to discover patterns and predictive qualities from it. But at the same time, it makes me feel kind of weird. Like, this shouldn't be predictable. We shouldn't be able to create algorithms, SQL databases, and proprietary formulas that determine who will be a good draft choice or who will win a certain game with eerie efficiency. But we can. Check that. Not we, because I'm not one of them, but other people can, like today's guest, Troy Brazell, founder of Optima Sports Group. Here's what gets me about Troy and Optima. I've interviewed many analytics experts before, guys like Louis Polis and Ari Kaplan, But Troy and his team at Optima approach their data a little bit differently, bringing in mental, emotional, and cultural aspects to their analysis. It's not just launch angle and war. It's the holistic approach to analytics. Optima utilizes the, quote, human performance theory threshold model, which identifies the resources of an individual and how that impacts him or her and their specific tasks. Troy shares some jaw-dropping stories of how their models have helped teams win by making some counterintuitive decisions, like trading away a leading scorer mid-season. We discussed the future of analytics, how he got started in this game, and so much more. So let's get into it. Here's Troy Brazell.
Okay, Troy, before we dive into the world of sports analytics and your world with Optima Sports Group, give us the audience a little bit of an understanding of what Optima Sports Group does, what your goals and intentions are, and what you bring to the marketplace. Give us a little bit of a flavor for what happens with Optima Sports Group. Oh, great. So in our world, Brian, Optima builds predictive performance models. We are the only analytics company proven to directly impact winning percentage in professional sports. We've worked with three Super Bowl champions, an NBA champion, and an MLS Cup winner. So our analytics are sport agnostic. We have a very different approach to sports analytics and how we identify a player's overall resource capability. And uh, we've just had a lot of fun with this over the uh, years developing. And so now part of uh, our, our future development is we've gone into fantasy sports. We have also worked in and now are testing esports players and we're testing high school mm-hmm. football for both the high school front as well as the universities. I mean, there's so much potential in analytics. There's so many topics I want to talk about. And, and as I've gone through different conversations with different people in the analytics world, it feels like there's multiple iterations and directions this world can continue going. So I want to dig into that deeper and we talk about fantasy and some of the other product launches that you have. But before we get there, let's go back to your start a little bit. How did you end up in this? Like, how did you end up getting into this sports angle and motivated to then focus in deeper into the analytics world? So uh, over 20 years ago, I was working in market research and we were the engine developing predictive models for the Boeing, Disney, Pfizer, IBM, Intel, Frito, uh, Levi's, uh, you name it, we were the analytics behind them. All the big market research companies from Lieberman, DA, Zement, uh, McKinsey, all the big boys, we were doing their analytics. And one of the NFL teams had approached a market research company to see if they could predict dehydration. Obviously, they brought that to us. And we said, well, there's no way to. (laughs) Well, it it was interesting because at that time you had. Predict dehydration. Like, my goodness. (laughs) Well, well, but at that point, you have to think you had a a couple deaths in the NFL from guys that were getting dehydrated and having other issues. Right. And so we started building models and then we formulated a phenomenal team and realized, hey, if we approach this differently, because what kids are taught at universities today don't work. It's regression models, it's correlation models. Or, okay. So our approach was very different. And as this evolved, where we incorporated market research techniques like discrete choice analysis to get uh, to high risk, which is rational, emotional, social, now we uncover the drivers of decision and the mental processing information and how people make their choices. So working with that, as well as the physical, technical, tactical side, once we started fusing those pieces together, we realized, oh, this is actually really good. We worked with that NFL team yeah, and we did a blind study and ended up our models just using the NFL data. We were twice as accurate than the NFL draft. And that's over 15 years ago. Oh, my God. So now we're looking forward to present day. Our current models sit just north of 70% more accurate than the actual NFL draft. We have that case study up on the Optimist Sports Group LinkedIn page. Yeah. And I'm about to post an analytics project that we did comparing draft picks, the first three rounds, 
with the San Francisco 49ers, the Los Angeles Rams, and a few of the other teams to see who's doing much better utilizing analytics and being able to predict in that fir- the first three rounds. So it's kind of fun. I, okay, so can I convince you to work with my favorite team then? Because I think their draft results lately have been terrible. No, no, <laughs> that's a whole other subject. Um, okay, so this is something that really interests me is how you've married analytics with market research. I, I think so often we think of analytics as like hardcore data, spreadsheets, SQL, R, Python, that kind of stuff. And you you look at performance uh, results and just the, those patterns that are happening on the court. But one thing that struck out to me, stuck out to me that Optimo is working on was like working with their culture and evaluating culture and how that all works into it. H- how does that work where you're able to actually figure out team synergies and culture projections? And like, I don't know, it seems like something that wouldn't be covered by data, but the fact you're uncovering that I think is amazing. When you're looking at an organization and you see this in HR, and we, we've actually done a couple projects in the what would be considered the HR world, uh, so outside of sport. But when you're looking at a sports team and that organization, culture is how are things done here? Yeah. And that comes from the top down. And that carries over to the players and the product on the field. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example. The MLS Cup team that we helped, they had at that particular time one of the best players in MLS. Okay. A, a guy by the name of Jameson Olave, a phenomenal talent. Mm-hmm. And as we broke down the model, it, it kept saying that he wasn't a good fit for that team and system. Uh-huh. The irony is <laughs> the uh, general manager was saying, come on, I mean, make him fit. He's the best player. Yeah. And, figure, it and, yeah. <laughs> figure it out. And the model just kept showing no. Yeah. They finally, because the coach who was also a uh, assistant coach for the U.S. national team said, no, understanding analytics, the optimum team's right. He's not buying into the system. He's freelancing because wow. he's a better athlete, but he's costing us more on the pitch. They traded him, picked up two other players that fit the team, and they won the MLS Cup that year playing the Galaxy. What's interesting is they were the lowest salary cap team in MLS. Wow. So the following year, and, and just to put this in context, is the following year, Obviously, uh, the coach went to New York to take over that team. They brought in a new coach, traded those players away to get Olave back, and they went from having the best record and winning the cup to one of the worst records in MLS in one year. I mean, could there be a better proof of concept (laughs) of what you guys do? My goodness. No, no, well, but that's part of identifying how things are done here. Do we have players that buy into our coach and our system? Right. And again, going into the market research side and understanding drivers, motivators, et cetera, you can very quickly understand if these guys are going to buy into this type of system or not. And if they're not, then you trade them. I think, I think it's so fascinating. Oh, it's, it's fun. I think it's so fascinating because we so often think of 
we don't so often think of analytics as, okay, we've identified that the corner three is the most efficient shot in basketball. Okay, let's structure our offense where we shoot more corner threes. And it's that like, if this, then that. But really what you're saying is it's the, the holistic approach, like really understanding performance and predicting how they fit within an entire system, their entire impact. And that kind of seems revolutionary to me. I don't hear a lot of that chatter. No, it, well, it, and you see quite a bit of the EQ going on in market research and HR, et cetera. So this is getting some traction. Yeah. But the one of the key differences here, Brian, is yes, we're a holistic approach. Yeah. We are looking at all facets and one of the key differentiators here is we're building a predictive performance model. So when we say, well, offense in the NBA, the, the best shot is a corner three or whatever. Yeah. And, and we say, well, let's get to the root. Does our guard or our forward, whoever is going to be shooting mostly, do those guys have all the resources and capability to shoot that shot at a consistent basis yeah. to make those shots. Because if they're shooting and they, hey, they're 50% from three, well, that also means they've missed <laughs> half the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and that might not be the best shot for them. And if there's a team that actually plays defense, which is rare in the NBA, <laughs> there, and in the NFL, there I mean, is, every league is struggling with defense. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the whole point: is you look at this and say, okay, what we do is identify: do they have the right resources and the capability to do that task and and yeah. that position, and at what level? Because I'd rather go get a guy that shoots sixty five percent from three than a guy that's fifty percent because. Yeah. O open or not, he's still only 50%. Right, right. And, and, it, and so, so to say, if you put defense, it drops. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, but that's, it, and that's one of those other aspects that yeah. people get caught up in the minutia of data. And I, right now, people are drowning in data. Yeah. And yet they're starving for actionable intelligence with teams. Yep. And I, I can tell you, every, pro team has an analyst or a team of analysts reviewing data. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, well, they're looking at who has the best shots or highest yep. percentage or whatever. And I could still take some of these high percentage shot teams and they'll still be a losing team. It, it is. So I was, I was looking up before we started to talk. Moneyball was kind of the moment that when the movie came out and the book came out where we all the casual sports fan, or even those of us in the business that haven't really been tied to analytics, all became aware of it, right? We all became aware of the whole concept of it's not just the numbers on the back of the baseball card. There's other ways to kind of carve this up and understand impact. But really, you know better than anybody, the industry of analytics has been around a lot longer than Moneyball. How have you seen over the last 10 years as there's been more uh, eyeballs on analytics, more conversation about it, more publications about it. How have you seen the practice mature and grow and develop? What have been those big things that have changed over the last decade? I think what we have seen over the past decade, especially, is number one, an acceptance mm -hmm. for analytics. Whereas prior to that, there was a lot more resistance. Yeah. 
and it was still done by gut feel and uh, looking for that outlier or that silver bullet or, or whatever to identify the, that right kid, uh, right talent. So now incorporating analytics has really come into the forefront. And the irony is people still refer to Moneyball and yet that is so elementary to the type of analytics going on today. Right. We're far and yet beyond, that's yeah. still what people identify yeah. as analytics. And that was purely on base percentage. Right. Right. <laughs> testing. So, uh, and modeling. Whereas now uh, you look at Sport Radar, they just went public, billion dollar uh, IPO. Yeah. And yet they're number one. And here's one of those huge differentiators. They are focused on trying to develop or go acquire analytics, okay. be it buy a couple analytics companies, bring analytics in-house or develop analytics in-house because we have to start making sense of the data. And going back, and this is interesting because some of the kids that are listening to your podcast right now that are in college and they're studying stats or whatever, if we're looking at data mm -hmm. and we say, okay, number one, do we have the right data on these kids? And then what data is actually indicative of actual performance? Right. Because as I said, people are drowning in data right now. And I was literally on a call with a uh, major wearable technology company. Okay. And they have a, a chip for uh, soccer players mm -hmm. in, in their boots and they have other things. And I made the comment, I said, so what data is that collecting? Well, we can track how many times the guy touches the ball. Uh, we can track his heart rate. I said, look, I can line up all the soccer players and run up, up and down the pitch. And I can guarantee you their heart rate will yeah. go up when they sprint their heart rate will come back down. So what you what data you collect? Yes, but I said now, how important is that data? Yeah, number one, and yet it's being collected. Number two, I said, okay, this guy had eighteen touches in the match mm -hmm. for soccer. I said, but was that a a clear? Was it a block? Was it a shot on goal? Was it a pass? Well, you have to go back to film to verify. And I said, so you've now collected more superfluous data yeah. because they already know that the guy touched the ball 18 times. You already know what he was doing because you have guys keeping track of that. So again, they're collecting more data in a different way. And Zebra Technologies tracking players on a, a football field. Mm -hmm. And are they in position or out of position? The question is how, and, and this is the, the next evolution is, how is that data going to be used? And, and see, this is where Optima comes in with building a predictive performance model is we're looking at all those resources that we, we've defined as resources, be it physical, technical, tactical, mental, or emotional. Okay. And we're building the first truly predictive performance database in esports. Why? Because there's no viable data in esports. Yeah. This is the fastest growing segment. We're starting to test the pro players and these amateur players, but now we can collect the right data mm -hmm. from the beginning. So if I'm looking at it from the standpoint of pro sports, you got to say, hey, what data 
are we collecting that matters? I, they finally, they're, they're throwing out the Wonderlick test in the NFL yeah. because they have now come to the realization It doesn't that connect to results. Th- there's, it doesn't connect to results. Yeah. And th- that's where Optima, we've actually built an online platform to test mental processing speed, emotional attributes, eye-hand coordination, finger dexterity, uh, and a variety of other things. So we can identify those key aspects that are more indicative of their actual performance, decision-making on the field, decision-making off the field. My finger dexterity is off the charts, by the way. I just thought I should let you know that. Um, (laughs) What about uh, broader market opportunities? I I think of it like you're a third-party service to a lot of teams and organizations, but with this adoption, with more uh, teams becoming comfortable with analytics, they're forming a lot of their own internal teams. Does that put an additional challenge on your business at Optima? And does that kind of force you to look into more consumer-facing products where maybe you add value, like you said, to fantasy sports, to betting, to some of these other avenues that may have a a growing market there? Well, it's interesting because we have projects right now in the NFL to identify a uh, head coach. Okay. Uh, And what attributes lead to success as a head coach. So no one else can do this type of modeling. Yeah, it's amazing that that's quantifiable. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. So we we still have that. Well, I'll call it the legacy business, for lack yeah. of a better term. But now going into esports and going into high school sports, these are big opportunities yeah. where we can really expand quickly. It adds tremendous value to the kids in high school, tremendous value to the universities, because now a university can identify talent that fits their school, it reduces their risk on recruiting, loss of scholarships, et cetera, yeah. and you get better performance out of your team. And that's a big market too, yeah. Big, big market. And yeah. now uh, our fantasy yeah. arm, we're absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the University of Oregon Department of Economics did an analytical breakdown, and we absolutely dominated the the pro football focus and swish and Bloomberg and uh, a couple of the other fancy analytics providers because of this methodology. So we we have the the legacy. We have the new verticals with esports in high school. We are going into the fantasy side again and ramping that up. And and so you have, and from that, we'll be able to go into sports betting with more accurate models. Yeah, the sports betting market is is such a huge avenue right now, as is esports, fantasy sports. So with this fantasy, I'm, I'm particularly interested in the fantasy sports side. With this fantasy sports arm of your business, Optima Fantasy Sports, how different is the approach to products when the when the audience is individual users versus front offices and agents and those broader decision makers? Does it change the way you approach your product and your, you know, it, you might be super inclusive to a front office is going to pay you a certain amount. And then you have to approach it maybe differently with individual buyers and make sure you get that value. Is there a completely different approach? Well, it's not a completely different approach because what we're doing is identifying the overall capabilities of that athlete. So on fantasy, for example, we'll run the slate of games for the week. We'll do matchups. We'll create a score based on our models and that score, we can then model the athletes to those points. And that's one reason our 
fantasy analytics have proven to be so much more accurate. Yeah. If I'm trying to create the uh, ultimate lineup and export to DraftKings or FanDuel or Yahoo now, I can go in, I can optimize my lineup yeah. based on money or based on points or whatever. And we're using a much different approach. And, and that's where, again, people get a strong competitive advantage. And you can actually beat the sharks doing this. <laughs> I mean, that's it. It's competitive advantage across all of these landscapes. It's using the information that's out there, but making it actionable. I think that's one of the most important things in this process, too, is that I so many people, I think, like the the grizzled veteran that's been sitting on a you know a baseball bench or going to high school games scouting or all the different scouts that are traveling areas, that's a hard job and they want to feel like they're bringing value to it because of their expertise. So they're almost threatened in a lot of ways by by analytics and data and partially because they might not understand it. How important is it for someone in your position, someone in any type of analytics team to be able to take all this massive amounts of data, but also make it actionable where somebody out there can put it to work, understand it, comprehend it, get behind it and utilize it so that then you get those proof of concept moments like you mentioned with the MLS. Is that like the oh, most yeah. important well, part is making it all make sense to other people? Yes. And part of that is initially one of those issues that we've had over the past working with the pro team is the the scouting and the player performance people feel or had felt threatened in the past. Yeah. Uh, however, when Optima comes in and we're working with a pro team, we say, guys, look, we're about to make you guys rock stars yeah. because you're going to be collecting better data, more accurate data, and this will give you guys a strong competitive advantage. And it dawns on like, oh, yeah, they're not here to replace us. They're here to help us. And so the scouts become stronger advocates because we're making them better on uh, the overall, which adds their value and increases their value. Yeah. As long as you can phrase it in a way where everybody benefits and everybody looks good, you're going to get buy-in. And so it's important to be able to communicate the value. That's super important. Absolutely. When I talk to people in sports talent acquisition, one of the fields they tell me that is growing in leaps and bounds is the business intelligence side, right? Running their organizations, utilizing the data to make smarter business decisions, increase revenue, decrease spend. As you think of you know, the young person who may be listening and they're interested in the analytics side, is the are the approaches and the modeling that you're talking about, could that also be valuable and kind of in a cross-training kind of way, make somebody as versatile as possible to possibly contribute to business intelligence on the sports side? performance-based analytics, et cetera, et cetera? Like, is there options in there? Oh, absolutely. Brian, I can tell you right now, a smart general manager will sit down with an analytics group, uh, either internally or externally, and they can run models. Uh, uh, And a prime example is what we did with the MLS team is they said, what is the best team we can put on the pitch for $3 million. Okay, so if I'm a GM and we reverse the role and we say, how are we going to identify that, the talent, because I only want to spend X, Mm -hmm. this gives us a very strong competitive advantage based on budget. If I want to increase ticket sales, if I want to increase uh, product sales, 
I have to use analytics going into discrete choice analysis and utilizing uh, high res, which are the drivers of decision for our fan base, both for season ticket holders and non-season ticket holders. How can I drive more season ticket holders? How can I sell more tickets? How can I sell more merchandise? Those are key things for a team. If you incorporate analytics there, now you are suddenly a couple steps ahead because you're going to be able to maximize revenue. And we've done a project with a major league baseball team where we helped optimize ticket sales. And they ended up dropping their season ticket uh, prices by like 15%, but they also sold a lot more season tickets. Yep, which means more concessions, means more, yeah, more Mm -hmm. merchandise, more parking, more more of those other ancillary costs get filled, yeah. Yeah, so that's a prime area of where uh, a kid's coming out, you say, we need to incorporate analytics on the decision-making processes. So we now have data-driven intelligence behind our season tickets, behind our players, behind our operations, because that makes us a better, cleaner, smarter organization. All right, let's finish up with this. This has been an amazing conversation. You've been so informative. I'm going to throw you a a softball because I have a feeling you're going to knock this out of the park. Uh, (laughs) Has analytics reached its peak or is this still a growing field? And I mean that from innovation, but I also mean it for opportunities for our audience. Like, is this something people should be considering as a career path? There's still opportunities to grow and expand in this world. Oh, absolutely. There's so many areas that analytics are expanding. And as I mentioned earlier with Sport Radar, now looking to develop more analysts and or analytics uh, in a, a third party or internally. There's other companies that are hiring analysts to try and develop going into sports betting or going into fantasy sports. There's ample opportunity. I But if I told kids, And I can tell you, I don't want to offend some of your listeners, but when kids come in and dictate, I mean, literally, uh, we're talking to a a kid out of a a, a prominent university, and he was saying, well, I I really want to take over as GM of a NHL team. But he said, "I, I need to understand your analytics and how you're doing. And we said, well, are you working with an NHL team yet? Well, no, but I have a couple entrees and I think I can work with this team and then I'm going to uh, be groomed for the next five years and I can take over. Like, you're 22. You're just graduating. (laughs) Like, focus on making an impact with a company. Bring some value and learn the trade. And the more robust you become and the better you become at being an employee and understanding organizations. Then as that evolves and you have more opportunity, which you will, then you can keep expanding. So you have tremendous value, but don't plan on coming out and taking over a company at 22, 23, or going into a, an NFL, NBA, MLB team and saying, Hey, I'll head up the analytics for you. Cause you need to come in and add value first and right. then expand from there. There, There's plenty of opportunity if you do it right. 
it's such great expertise and advice. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I, I find the field so fascinating what you can know and how that can relate to predictions towards the future. I, I'm not saying that I completely understand it. I couldn't even touch the work that you guys do, but it's so fascinating. And to see like your success rates and the stories you're able to share, it just tells you that there's there's still so much to learn and to expand in this field. I think it's such an exciting area to see where it will be five, 10 years from now. So thank you for sharing a little bit more about Optima oh, Sports uh, Group and all that you guys are doing. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. absolutely. And if you have any question on, on really how it's expanding, think about Major League Baseball and Sabermetrics and mm-hmm. Moneyball. And that was the, at that time, the pinnacle yeah. of analytics. Everybody said, we have hit yeah. the pinnacle. And then as analytics have evolved, and now you have Optima building predictive performance models, and we're considered to be the premier sports data and analytics company right now. Yeah. And we're five years ahead, but there's people that are saying, hey, look at what they're doing. Where can we go after that? Mm-hmm. So, so cool. I mean, it, it's fun, but there's, it's a lot of fun to see how this is evolving. I got to imagine it's super fun when you guys make a, uh, uh, a, you know, actionable advice to a team. You maybe suggest something that is a little out of the box to them and then they actually do it and it turns out the way you told them it would. Like that's got to be a moment where you're like ready to party. Like that's got to be so exciting for you on your side oh. of things. Oh, I, finishing up this uh this analytics report on the first three rounds of NFL drafts for these five teams in comparison and saying, Oh, look, we were 200% better than you guys were on the, on the first. (laughs) And yet the teams that listen to us, there's a chance they could play each other in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's for for us. We're already very, very happy. Time to celebrate. Great stuff, Troy. Thanks so much for coming on today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Brian. Thank you to Troy for coming on the show today. I find the analytics conversation so fascinating because it's an area that I want to get smarter in. But at the same time, it's continuing to change and adapt and to grow. We're so much further than we once were. And there's really no end in sight. There's new approaches to everything, as Troy kind of explained during this conversation. Thank you to everybody for listening. I really appreciate having you here. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen as we continue to grow this audience. We had passed... 600,000 downloads just last month, and we're already having our best January ever and our best February ever. So continue to help us on this trend line where we are helping build this audience, share more information for people in their sports career, and help people grow. That's what we want to do. That's what's important to us. That's what we do at workinsports.com. So please continue to listen. And I'm just so appreciative of all of you. So thanks for being here. Have a great week. 